Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. This message this morning is going to be the first part of several. Uh, So I hope you come back and hear the rest. And I want to welcome all of our visitors this morning. It's good to see a bunch of you here. Several of you have been here many times before, so I don't really consider you visitors anymore, but I'm glad to have you nonetheless. But it's always good to see some new faces. Revelations chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have something somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's go to the Lord and thank Him for His Word this morning. Father, we just thank You for this Word that we just read. We thank You that You're already moving in the midst of us. And Father, I ask that You send Your holy anointing right now upon me that I may speak as I ought to speak, Father, and get myself out of the way, say the things that You'd have me to say. And I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. And like I said, this is the first of several messages. I don't know exactly how many, but uh, God laid on my heart about these seven churches as I begin to read in the book of Revelation and you know, these seven churches that, that Jesus spoke to John about and had him write letters to uh, are examples to us. And the whole point behind him sending these letters to these churches was so that not only these particular churches could uh, repent and turn from their ways, but also so that it would be an example for future generations to look at these churches and see that You know, everybody has problems. But there are some things that are good and there are some things that are bad about a church. And every church is a little different. But the whole point is is that, that those things that are good aren't all that good when you have the bad in the way. And you look at this church of Ephesus here, you know... Jesus went through and he, he named several things that were, that were great about this church and there was only one problem. You know, they, uh, they worked hard serving God. And you look around, you'll see all kinds of churches today that work hard to serve God. They come up with all kinds of events to keep their people busy and they are diligent about doing their service for the church. And that's a good thing. But the problem is is that they've left their first love. Now what does that mean? You know, I thought about that for a while and I did some reading and studying because I like to really get a deep down understanding of what he's talking about. When he says he left their first love, what was he talking about? 
Well, what, what I found is that the, the problem with Ephesus was they were all about having church. Now listen to me. They were all about having church. They were all about working and serving in the church. But they forgot about why they started doing it. They forgot about the original reason that they came together in the first place. They forgot about that first love. That first love that when you're saved and you receive Jesus in your heart, man, you just love everybody. You don't care. You just, you just love everybody. But after a while, that, that love kind of starts to fade if you don't keep feeding it. And you get so busy, tied up, serving the church, and I've got to be there at this time, I've got to do this, and we've got all these events planned, I've got to... You just get so busy, you forget why you're even doing it. You know, there's plenty of churches that reach out and, and help, help the needy and, and do all these things, but do they really have love? Oh, there's some that do. But this is the example that He's given us today in this, this church of Ephesus. You know, he didn't say they wasn't doing what they should do. They're doing everything right, except they forgot about love. He said that they wouldn't permit evil in the church. Man, that's a good thing. You see a lot of churches that, that become slack and they, they get to the point where they want to, they want to accommodate the world. To, oh, we gotta get more people in here. Let's, well, let's loosen up a little bit over here. Let's, Let's, let's th- make things a little more palatable. You know, the Word says something about that. It says we're to be sanctified. It means set apart. Not like the rest. <clears throat> There's another Scripture that come to my mind as I was studying about this. It says, And because, this is Matthew 24 and 12, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Oh, what is iniquity? Sin. When sin is present, love starts to grow cold. You may be doing everything else right in your life. Now, you know, I'm talking about a church today, but I'm talking about you too. You may be doing everything else right in your life, following in the letter of the law, but when you allow one little thing in, that one little sin begins to eat away at love. And before you know it, you forgot why you even started this in the first place. Love for others. Listen, I want you all to think about other people you go to church with. Look around at each other. Do you really love them? Or do you, can you just get along with them? Do you have love in your heart for other people? Or do you just get by not having to talk to them? You know, we've all known people that we try to dodge in the store because we don't want to deal with them. It's, and maybe not because you don't love them. They just, they're kind of annoying. Or it may be that you've got somebody at work that just kind of gets on your nerves. Now, I want you to think about those kind of people today. That's the kind of people that needs to be in the front of your mind right now. Do you really have love in your heart for them? Or do you just get along? That first love is what the church of Ephesus was missing. And you know, the, the whole point behind this is that this one little thing 
was still going to bring judgment from God. This one little thing that they had left out and forgot about was going to bring judgment. They did everything else right. But what does the Word tell us? If you keep everything in the law and you offend in one point, you're guilty of all of it. So you you think, well, I'm, I'm living a pretty good life. You know, I don't do this, I don't do that. But you think about some of them people I've been reminding you about. Do you love them? Or do you just get along with them? Do you have true godly love in your heart for those people? Would it hurt you tomorrow if you found out one of them died in a car accident? Or if you found out one of their kids was hurt? Would it, would it, really, would it really stir you inside and make you feel compassion for them? Because that's where you find out real quick if you have love for somebody. If you hear some news like that and you say, oh well, that's not really many of my business. Well, you didn't have love for them, did you? I don't care how much you like somebody. Like has nothing to do with it. You may not like anybody more than anybody else, but I'm going to tell you when you have love for them, there's concern. And when you have concern, you have concern for their soul. And when you see somebody that is not living a godly life, and if you have concern for their soul, you're going to want to tell them about Jesus. Now, look, I look around all the time and I see people going everywhere that call themselves Christians that don't care one thing about telling somebody about Jesus. That's a lack of love. It's prevalent today. This isn't an isolated event. This is the majority. People don't care for other people like they should. This was the problem at the church of Ephesus. They forgot that first love. They got so busy doing everything else, they forgot about love. Love is not something that's natural to the carnal man. Oh yeah, you may love your family, but the natural instinct is to say, well, that's none of my business. I don't really want to get involved in all that. So, when you become spiritually minded, things ought to change. You accept Jesus in your heart, you, you become filled with the Spirit, you ought to have a different uh, attitude. You know, this, this is not something that's just going to magically happen. You have to decide in your heart that you say, I'm going to try to love people like I ought to. You know, there's not just this this feeling that just comes upon you and all of a sudden you just love everybody and it sticks. No, it takes work. Some people more than others. Some people it's hard to love, ain't it? Some people, man, I just get along with some people. I don't have any problems. We just click. But some people, man, they just... Oh, they're hard to love. But you know what? That don't mean I have any less reason to love that person. It doesn't mean that, that somehow they're excluded and I don't, I don't have to show them love because it's so hard. No. I still have the same obligation to love them as I do the person that's easy to love. It's still my duty as a Christian to be looking out for people. 
that need to see the love of God. Let's talk about this judgment. I want you to notice the level of importance that Jesus put on this. Like I said, it's a little thing. They did everything else right. They just forgot love, right? That's no big deal. They were still doing serving God, serving the church. But what did Jesus say? Verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Do the first works. Or else... I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. I want you all to realize today it was sin. This wasn't just uh, a lapse of memory and oh, I'm sorry. No, it was sin. God doesn't uh, bring judgment on somebody if it wasn't for sin. He's just. And that, that means when He brings judgment on you, it's justified. So this thing that they had between them and God was, was sin. In whatever manner you want to look at it. 1 John 3 and 14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now listen, I want you all to hear these words this morning. I want you to understand that when you withhold love from your brother, that is sin. I want you to understand that when you begrudge somebody and you say, no, I'm not going to forgive them. I can't forgive that. That hatred that's building in your heart is sin. Understand that today. You ain't hurting that person. You're hurting yourself. It's between you and God at that point because you haven't done everything you could do. Now, when you take go the extra step and you say, I'm going to forgive them even though I don't feel like they deserve it. I'm still going to forgive them. I'm still going to try to love them. I'm going to do my part. It's out of your hands then. If the situation doesn't change, that's between them and God because you did your part. You turned it over to Him and you forgave him, forgave that person. But when you allow that hatred to build and fester and grow, and you think, well, I don't hate anybody. No, but you're not loving them. You see, there is a difference in in hating somebody and then just not loving them. What does that mean? You know, hatred brings about vengeance. You want to try to get somebody back and, and do to them what they did to me. But not loving them is kind of like a sin of omission. You ever just, you ever not lied to somebody, but you just didn't tell them the whole truth? That's a sin of omission. You didn't do what you should have done. That withholding love is the same way. When you know you ought to be loving a person, you ought to be trying to do something for them and reaching out to them and you don't, you're withholding love. That person may not know what love is. 
They may have never seen love. They may have been raised in a family where their daddy beat them or their mama left them for some other man or whatever. You don't know. That may be why they're so hard to get along with because they don't understand what love is. And they need somebody to show them what godly love is all about. So when you don't do it, it's sin. Now, y'all may look at me today and say, man, that's awful hard. You're being kind of hard on us today, but I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you what Jesus was telling John here about the church of Ephesus. You can do everything else right in your life, but you leave out love and you see what kind of judgment comes upon you. Now, what did he mean by remove the candlestick? Well, you know, I never found just a 100% clear one thing that this meant. But you know, I'm sure there's a lot of things you could come up with that this statement might refer to. But the thing that it stuck in my mind, especially being a preacher, it's easier for me to understand this. I hope you can identify. But when you have a calling on your life, and you may have a calling in some other area, and you don't fulfill that calling, there's a very strong chance that God will remove that calling from you. Now how does that hurt me? Y'all pay attention now. You may think, well, well, boy, I got out of that one. No, you didn't get out of nothing. All you did was get yourself out of a blessing. You just prevented God from blessing you by, by, by withholding that thing that He's calling you to do. You just prevented God from being able to bless you. So to me, that removing the candlestick is removing the calling that's on a church, on a person. It's removing that position in place that they have in a community. And if you don't think that this church or you as a person have a position in your area, your community, you're sadly mistaken. See, God has a purpose for this church. Just because you don't know what it is or you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not there. God has a thing that He has called us to do other than the Great Commission. There is a work in this area at this time that He's called us to do. But listen, we can go about doing that work. But you forget love and you watch what happens. He's going to remove it. He'll hand it off to somebody else. They'll receive the blessing. They'll receive the crown. I don't want that to happen. Not only for myself. I'm going to be a little selfish. Yeah, I don't want it for myself. I want everything God has for me. I want every blessing He can pour out upon me to be poured out. But for this church, I don't want that. Now, I can't do it on my own. I'm not trying to tell you that that uh, I don't need correction in this area because I definitely do. But it ain't just me. I'm not the only one that comes to church here. We've got to remember love, people. We've got to remember the first works. What is the first works? Well, listen, the first thing that, that God told the church to do was the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. 
Now, if you ain't doing it at home, if you ain't doing it in your community, where else are you going to do it? This is where this is the place you have right now. Now, some of you may <clears throat> be called to be a missionary. I don't know. If so, then that's where God has put you. But while you're here, you need to be doing that first works here. You need to be thinking, okay, how can I do these first works? How does this relate to me? Well, it starts with your home. It starts then next with your, with your job, with your school, wherever you may spend most of your time. If you ain't reaching out and trying to love somebody, what is the point? Because if you're not showing them love, you can't expect somebody else to do it. If you don't have love at home, how do you expect to show it to anybody else at work or at school? Your kids may get on your nerves, but I guarantee you, you still love them. My kids drive me up the wall sometimes. And it doesn't matter how mad they make me, how irritated I get, if one of them was to run and, and fall and scrape their knee, I'd still pick them up and love them in the next second. Because I love my kids. I shouldn't feel any different about the guy that works down the street at the, the mechanic shop or, or the guy that brings the mail around or, or anybody else that I encounter on a daily basis. I shouldn't feel any different about them. Because in God's eyes, it's all the same. It's amazing to me that this church... That was the only thing Jesus had to say about them. But that just goes to show you, no matter how good you think you're doing, there's always some place that God can correct you and make you a little better. You may think, man, I'm doing everything right. I come to church, I pay my tithes, I pray every day, I read my Bible. But stop and think for a minute. Do you love everybody the way you ought to? Is there anybody that may have done you wrong recently that you've just been, man, you just want to grip the table because it just gets on your nerves? Can't stand it the way that treated me. That's the ones you need to be praying for. Don't be praying that God will correct them. Don't do that. That is the first sign. I want you all to remember this. The next time you pray that God will correct somebody, I want you to remember that I told you this. That is the first sign that you probably need correction. So while you pray in that, you go ahead and say, God, correct me too. Because see, if it's good for them, it's good for you.